Welcome. I'm your host, Dylan Benyon, and you're listening to the Cognition & Co. podcast, Psychology in South Africa. Today we'll be talking to Adrian Campos. Adrian has recently completed his M1 year at Northwest University and will be telling us a little more about his journey to become a psychologist. Due to the national lockdown, Adrian and I weren't able to meet in person. However, we did manage to speak over Zoom and record the following discussion. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks. Before we started all of this, um, I quickly wanted to do a little background check. And you have your own podcast that you run. Anything you'd like to tell us about what you do with that one? Well, uh, now that you to bring it up, I thought we were going to do this at the end, but let's, <laughs> let's, get it, let's get it out the way now. So, so I actually started my own little podcast, the, the Naked Show. So it's not it's not just myself; it's me and my partner, my girlfriend, and it's called the Naked Show. And ours is not exactly what we're doing here. We just take a more of a relaxed approach and we kind of just discuss things that happen in your 20s and things that happen in life and things that are happening in the world. And we just we just give our own opinion and our own feedback. We have guests as well, which we bring on and kind of just talk to them and all of that. So we're still kind of rolling the ball and, and catching on, but it's definitely a fun thing to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even even my side, like putting this whole thing together and like actually getting it going and, and, and flowing and stuff is, it's been a learning curve, but a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, if you are out there and you're looking for something a bit more to just play in the background and just check out The Naked Show, we're on Instagram and Twitter and on Anchor and all different platforms as well. And uh, just hear us out. I'll, uh, I'll drop a link to, to your Anchor uh, in the description below. Um, Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if if only I could drive more. I usually listen to podcasts when I drive, and like with yeah. lockdown going on now, I'm kind of like sitting at home. I'm like, okay, well, it's Fortnite, or it's like it's like podcasts, or like my own f- application. So <laughs> that's yeah, that's also when I catch all of my podcasts. Now I basically just do it while I work out, and I kind of tell myself if I want to listen to my favorite podcast, then I have to work out while listening it. So it kind of forces me to work out. And I get to enjoy my podcast. So that's how I trick myself into doing some exercise, you know? Ah, look at these psychologists like conditioning themselves, hey? <laughs> yeah. We can't get out of it, eh? <laughs> um, okay, cool, man. Well, like we're obviously here to to discuss your, your journey through psych. Um, why don't you tell us where it kind of started and like what got you into studying it? All right. So uh, as a young, young boy, young man, um, I never wanted to study psychology. I'm, I'm, I'm not that that guy that says, you know, this is always my dream. This is always my passion. Um, when I finished grade 12, I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something with sports related and I loved that kind of field. So I thought I would do physiotherapy. It didn't quite work out for me. Um, and uh, my father said, you need to do something else. And then I kind of stumbled into, into psychology. I didn't have the best marks. So I couldn't get into any of the top universities. So I ended up at what was then MGI, Medrand Graduate Institute, which then turned into the Pearson Institute of Higher Education, I think it is. That's right. Yeah, so I started doing a, a B-Psych there. I thought it would be something that, that I would do for a year and then kind of just venture out into something else. Um, soon as I grabbed the textbooks and I started listening and kind of studying them, um, I was completely captivated. I just, I didn't want to get out of it. And I, I stuck to it. You know, I, I did my my first year and then I kind of just thought, let me just try second year. And then in second year, I actually got a, an extremely brilliant lecturer who then became my mentor. 
And after that, I just didn't want to do anything else. Hectic, that's cool, man. Um, which campus of, of Pearson were you at? The, the Vol one? I went to, to Potchefstroom, yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so I grew up in, in Clarkstop, which was right by Potchefstroom. So then I kind of went there because I used to drive in and out every day. So it was about a 40-kilometer drive. So I was doing that. Like I said, I didn't have the best marks. My parents didn't trust me with anything. <laughs> yeah. I actually lectured at Pearson Bedford View and had such a good time there doing it. It's such a, a cool institution. And, um, you know, obviously with the yeah. small class sizes and stuff, like I really enjoyed how uh, it was just unique to, to what I'd experienced at university beforehand. So. Yeah, when I was when I was there at, at Pearson Institute, I hated every second of it because I, I wanted that big campus life and I wanted to be at the normal universities. Looking back on it retrospectively, I'm glad that I did it because it actually allowed me to focus smaller classes. It allowed me to get the marks that I needed to actually do my M afterwards. So obviously in the moment it was horrible, but uh, now I found, I'm grateful for it. But I mean, how many students out there like, oh yeah, I completely love being at university, you know, regardless of the university. <laughs> exactly. That's true. You know, obviously as a young person, you have a very narrow mind frame, you know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, another interesting aspect is that you're not actually South African. Um, you are from Havana in Cuba. Yeah, I was born in Havana, Cuba, and I came to South Africa when I was four years old. My parents are, are doctors, Cuban doctors here in South Africa. Um, so yeah, they, they, they moved here to work. They still work for, for the government, both the Cuban and the South African government. So I'm actually not a, not a South African resident. I'm still a Cuban resident. Um, so yeah. How did that sort of like play into, you know, your, your, your psych background or how did that play into like when you started applying for, for universities or masters and stuff like that? Obviously being a foreigner in this country is, is not easy at all. Um, there are actually a lot of foreign South Africans and I actually belong to a, a, a platform that, that is a bit of a WhatsApp group where there's a lot of foreign South African psychologists and we help each other out. It's not easy at all. You know, everything, every time you do something, you have to apply for a study visa or a work visa. And that wasn't the tough part. You know, you can get around it, but it is extremely difficult when you're kind of incorporating through the system once you get older and once you have to start working, especially. So I struggled a lot getting an internship job. A lot of places did not want me because um, I'm a risk. If I don't get a work visa, then they basically give a placement to someone who's not going to be able to work for them. So a lot of places see you as a liability if that happens. Sure. So they don't want to risk it. You know, I got turned out by a lot of big institutions because they said, sorry, you know, we, we don't want foreigners, you know, and it's, it's not, it's not their fault. You know, the system makes it very difficult on them as well. Cause I know there's, there's a couple of people I've been looking at the Anchor FM, um, you know, the, the demographics of who's watching the podcast. And there are a couple of people from outside of South Africa that are listening to this thing. And I'm sure that, you know, if they're from like the, the, the close by neighboring countries, they're probably looking at studying here, you know, and, and what is, what is already a tedious and an arduous like process of applying for masters. You then add the fact that like you're a foreign national to it and it becomes even harder. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, I think if for those people that are listening that are on the outskirts, a uh, piece of advice is to get yourself into the country because if you're in here, it makes it a bit easier to do things. Um, I know that's easier said than done, but uh, if you can kind of study here and then kind of get the ball rolling while you're in the country, it's a lot easier as opposed to leaving the country and then trying to do everything externally. Um, they're just not going to listen to you. I mean, they barely listen to you when you're in here. So imagine if you're outside. <laughs> 
Cool. That that flows nicely into the fact that uh, you obviously at some point then applied for masters and it became a thing where you were going for your M1. Tell me a little bit more about your your applications. I know that that you're one of the lucky ones, yeah. um, <laughs> a first time applicant. But um, but yeah, t- tell me a little bit more about how you like the places you applied to, like any interviews and stuff that you that you started prepping. How you kind of got your mindset into those applications, those sort of things. Yeah. So. So um, before I, I touch into that, because I was at, at Pearson, I was busy doing my fourth year of B-Psych when I applied to master's. Now, for those people that have done the B-Psych, they know that that's a year where you basically do your honors in academics and you're doing 720 practical hours of, you know, doing work in the clinics, voluntary work, all of that. Extremely tough year. I think it's one of the most difficult years that I've ever done. And I will I will easily say that it was more difficult than actually doing M. You know, wow. um, so so yeah, I was busy doing that year, and then um, as being a foreign national, my study visa was actually expiring, so I needed to find something to do the year after after doing my B psych. So I said, the form the easiest thing, and I put it in inverted commas, is would be to do my M. You know, um, so I applied while while I was in that year. Now that limited me because I couldn't apply everywhere because then I would basically take a week out of my study year to, to go and be part of the application. So I applied at three places. I applied at WITS, NWU, and at Bloom. Um, and I said, okay, I'm going to give it everything I've got for these three places and see what happens. Um, going into it, I was I had a very do-or-die attitude. I said to myself, you know what, you need to get this because it's kind of like, if you don't get it, then you basically have to go back home to Cuba. And I didn't want to because, I mean, I've grown up my whole life here. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it, there was a lot of pressure. And luckily, like you said, I, I got in first time. Um, I went to VITS. I didn't make it there. Didn't even get past the first round. That was the first one I went to. And then I went to NWU, the second one. And uh, I got in. So after I got into NWU, I didn't even go to the Bloom application. Oh, hey, Jake. Were you invited to Bloom as well? Uh, yeah, I was, but I didn't go. Very nice. Very nice. I guess once you once you have a spot, then you're like, well, you know, if I'm happy with where I'm at, like a, tr- a trip down to Bloom is is maybe not necessary for me. Exactly. I mean, I, I've I've never even been to Bloom, and I NWU was kind of the one way. After I didn't get into this, I wanted NWU because I mean, I know the town, I've I know the university, my support systems around there. So I said. Hey, this is the next best thing. Excellent, man. Um, and any, like, I guess it wasn't that long ago that you you did all of the applications and applying and stuff. Because, I mean, you finished your B-Psych win in... 2017. Yeah. So it's still quite recent. Yeah. So I, I finished, I did my B-Psych in 2017, my M1 in 2018. Yeah. Excellent. Um, yo, there's not many people that go that quickly from like an honors or, or like a B-Psych straight in. Um, so that that's very, very cool. I feel like I feel like the past three years where I haven't been studying, I feel like my brain's getting like dumber by the day. You know, like I need I need to get in so I can keep everything kind of ticking over. It happens, yeah. <laughs> um, but but do you remember like kind of your mentality going into into those applications? What kind of stuff were you putting into your into your personal essays and your autobiographies and stuff like that? Oh man, that's that's actually a very good question. If I think back now, I honestly can't remember what I wrote. But if I had to just off the top of my head, I was probably very, very ideal things that I was trying to get in there. Um, I was lucky enough to have a very good mentor who was with me from when I was in first year. 
And then I also had uh, another lady who who started lecturing there that same year in 2017, who kind of also took me under her wing. Right now, the reason this helps is because they kind of held my hand and guided me through the way. You know, um, I was one of the, the, like I said, I was one of the lucky ones. And um, and that's that's all I was. I was not brilliant. I was not the best by any means. I was purely just lucky. And, and I'll, I'll get into that once we go into the actual application or the actual process. But my mindset into it was kind of just be yourself. And, um, you know, you are good. You've made it this far. So you need to kind of just put everything that you've got into this, you know. And it, that was difficult because I was trying to focus on being the best I could be for my fourth year at B-Psych, but also kind of looking towards the future, uh, towards the end. So I had one foot here and one foot there, and I was stretching myself very thin. So my mentality was just kind of get it, get through day by day, do what you have to do, meet your deadlines, and that's all you can do, you know. Um, I never tried to do more than I could handle. I never tried to be someone who I wasn't. I kind of just took it day by day. Sure, man. And luckily you say you had those mentors, which I think would be quite an important thing as well. Yeah. And on top of that, like anyone that's listening now, um, Adrian's part of our mentorship program um, and he has a mentor, a mentee at the moment, and he's mentoring that person through through their own applications. Um, I know that uh, that you spoke on your podcast about the, the, the process of, of you being a mentor. Um, how's that going for you this year? Oh, I absolutely love it. I, I, I think my true calling is actually that side of, of, of psychology. I'd love to get into the academic side and the lecturing side and all of that. And that's why I enjoy this so much is because I can kind of take someone under my wing and give them the experience that I've got. Because I know that when I was there at the place where they were, um, those people that mentored me, they meant so much to me. You know, they literally helped me get to where I was. And they kind of helped set my expectations and, and give me a sense of reality of what this thing is actually like. And they also prepared me because when you go into psychology, you don't know that the journey is long. You know, no one tells you that, hey, you're in for an extremely tough journey. So they kind of kept reminding me that, hey, you're here now, but you need to be thinking two, three, four years ahead because your end goal is up there. Because if you don't get up there then there's not much you can do with, with a psychology degree. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the same as like my mentor as well was also a couple of years beforehand was like, listen, you need to start orientating yourself like now for your referee reports. You know, you can't wake up in April, the year that you're going to be applying and be like, Oh, I need referees all of a sudden. It's like, this is something you need to start building now so that you have like a genuine authentic relationship with this person that can accurately comment on your ability to be a psychologist one day, you know? So I'm so exactly. thankful that I had, the same sort of mentor, but also a clinical psychologist. So it, it's really, really helpful to have that. So thank you for being a part of that. I know you've done it two years in a row now. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. And I think it's, 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 it's something that I would have wanted to have when I was there. So if I can be part of it, then it's great. I um, It's too bad that you finished your, your research for your MVA because uh, we should have paired up together, could have done the research <laughs> on the mentorship program, having you already been in it. And That's true. Maybe, maybe for the future, man, maybe for the future, you and me do it. No, in, in, the, in the future, yeah, in the future, like I said, uh, academics is definitely in my future. So we'll, we'll get to it at some point. You know? Don't worry, bro, me too. That's one of my like planned essays uh, for, <laughs> for, for my interviews. You know, why do you want to be a clinical psychologist? Okay, well, here we go. Let me just pull out my paper. Papers, you know, <laughs> and I think I think just just one more thing on that on the mentorship thing is when I was when I was uh, in my fourth year of B Psych, 
we used to actually have, because we used to see clients, actual clients as on a registered counselor basis, we used to have supervision. And my mentor was actually one of my supervisors. And I remember when I started that year, she said to me, what are your goals for this year? And I said to her, my goal is to apply for M and be the best candidate that I can be. And she actually took the time to not just supervise me, but to prepare me for that. And I, I mean, I think that's part of the reason as to why I got in is because I spent an entire year preparing for that moment. So I think if you are a mentee and you are talking to your mentor, make sure that you set the goals clearly. If you if your goal is to say, I want to get in and I need to get in, then make sure you work towards that and streamline that so that you kind of meet those goals. So let's go into your your like actual interviews. So you've done, you did one day at Vitz, um, probably the same one that I did. You know, I went in on the first day, I did two individual interviews um, and then like some written stuff, but I don't really remember much about it uh, except for the fact that I did quite poorly that day. I, I played, I played somebody who I wasn't and, uh, and I look back on that embarrassingly. Um, but do you remember anything about your Vitz day that, that, that stands out? Um, I honestly, it felt like a blur. It kind of just went by in a matter of seconds. So I was there on day one. I did two very, excuse me, very uh, straightforward interviews where they basically just asked me, what are you all about? What are your interests? Who are your parents? And then I was out the door. And then I also did a written task where they asked me to just solve a case study, basically just diagnose and treatment plan, all of that. And I remember I went solution focused. And because that's what I knew at the time. And I, I you know, obviously that was a huge mistake because it's, uh, that's basically not a real theory to them. So uh, <laughs> I think that's that's why I, I kind of didn't get in there probably. And But I, at least I, I stuck to my guns. I, I knew who I was and I knew the plan that I was going in there. Um, after day two, I knew I didn't make the shortlist. So I went home. Yeah, Hectic. Uh, I had the exact same experience. Went inside there. Um, I think, like you said earlier, you, you know, you, you were hundred percent yourself and I was hundred percent not myself. You know, I walked in there and I did, I've always, I'm a fan of the, the psychodynamic perspective, but I walked in there and I tried to play somebody super psychodynamic and, uh, I just, I saw myself short big time. They, they questioned yeah. everything. Like I obviously wasn't like authentic, you know, and I wasn't congruent with, with who I was and they picked that apart big time. Um, for, for anyone that's applying now, there's a, there's like a part in the VITS application where you have to write on an interesting topic. And I wrote on antisocial personality disorder, um, for no real reason, really. I just thought it was interesting and fun. And they picked that apart big time. They loved that. They were like, (laughs) are you antisocial? I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. And they're like, is your dad antisocial? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, what are you doing? Like, leave me alone. I just try to show off my writing skills, you know? Um, they probably picked you apart. Yeah. Yeah big time. They really did. So I walked out of there that day and I felt, uh, I was, I was very disappointed in myself, you know? Um, I was like, who, who was that guy? You know? Um, I think I also got a fine for parking in the wrong place. So just to top it all off, you know, <laughs> and then how did things go at NWU, man? Oh, NWU was night and day. I mean, uh, it was so impersonal, so cold. I had no idea where I was or what I was doing. Extremely intimidating. NW, I felt right at home. This is my town. This is where I'd been. Even though I didn't go to the university, NW itself, I knew some of the lecturers. And this is where my advantage where it came in, where I said my mentors helped me. Because both of my mentors had close ties to the people at NW. And, you know, they obviously put in a good word and just kind of told some of the lecturers, hey, watch out for that guy, you know. 
Yeah. Um, so that helps. That helps. And and I know that some people will say that's unfair. That's not. That's not uh, the way it should be done. But uh, you know, you need to get every single bit of advantage that you can going into it. Um, so NWU was uh, an amazing experience. They give you a lot more opportunity to kind of shine and show yourself. It's not like this where they cut you on day one. So they only cut day around Wednesday. So you start on Monday. And then on Wednesday, they start making cuts. But by the time they start making cuts, you've already been to three short interviews with like a little bit of a panel. Um, you've got done a research task. You've done a metaphor task where they kind of put you in a group and you do a bit of a metaphor. You do a group activity where they put you in a group and they give you a problem. And then you have to kind of solve it and they see how you interact. Um, and they also give you a case study. So after doing those five things, you if you don't get selected, you can at least say, you know what, I had a chance to kind of show who I was. So yeah. where as opposed to this, where it's kind of like, so you spoke to me for 10 minutes and you decided that I wasn't good enough. It's a bit confusing, you know? Sure. So yeah, it was extremely nice. After that, they cut down. So they normally take 50 in the beginning. And then after those five activities, they cut down to about 20. And they do the final panel interview where you sit in front of the entire panel. And that's about a 30 to 40 minute interview. Wow. Um, but I never once felt out of my depth. And I never once felt like the people were threatening. I was nervous, obviously. Sure. But uh, if anything, when I walked into the room, I felt more at ease because the people that were there were very familiar because now I've met them on more than one occasion. Yeah. You know, throughout the week. And they also kind of just relaxed. And, you know, there's obviously the ones that play good cop, bad cop, but you can kind of pick them out because the one that will play bad cop will kind of give you like a wink and say, I have to do this, you know. So <laughs> they put yeah. you a lot, of, a lot more easier. From what I understand, um, one of my referees uh, studied at NWU and she always tells me that NWU has a positive paradigm to them. Um, it's not, it's not particularly like psychodynamic or it's not, you know, cognitive. It's, it's, it's way more of like a positive psychology perspective. Yeah. They are, they're very big into that. And there are quite a few people who I wouldn't say predominantly practice positive psychology or psychopathology, whichever way you want to go with it, but they definitely incorporate it into you and they definitely take it into account. So it can only help, you know, I think I look, I'm not the, the biggest fan of positive psychology, but I think knowing about it can only help. Sure. Sure. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. And then you got in, dude. Thank God. Yeah, I got in. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously it was, it was an extremely emotional time. Um, very stressful. I remember the day that I was waiting for the results. I, I couldn't contain my anxiety and it was extremely, it was just pouring out of me. Sure. Um, but this is where I want to come back to in the beginning. You know, you, you, we mentioned that I was extremely lucky and I was, when I walked into day one of, of NW selection, I looked around the room and I saw that there were five guys, the five males only applying. And when I saw that, I said to myself, I've got a good shot here. I've got a good chance because they want, they want males. And out of the five males that applied, three were chosen. So, so that's kind of when I say I got extremely lucky because if I had walked into a selection on a different year where there were 20 males, you know, it wouldn't have been that easy. So I think being so young, I was extremely lucky because, I mean, we know people that wait years and years before they get in. So as much as I had the skill and the talent, uh, there was a huge element of luck in there because obviously it was just a year where there were no males. Yeah. 
I think I think that's the thing. You know, a lot of people that are applying for masters. Um, you're in a pool of very talented individuals, you know, even if you are at the top of your field, there are people right there with you, like standing there, you know, with the exact same marks, maybe with the same volunteer experience, with the same sort of like backgrounds, you know, it, it, I think there is definitely an element of luck that plays into this. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you can imagine how difficult it is for the panel to differentiate between who's better than this and who's going to be better at that. It kind of just boils down to who showed up on the day who they liked more and uh, you know, who, who's got the, the pedigree to, to do this, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I feel the same way about my time at, you know, the university of Pretoria. Um, it also came down to like a whole bunch of males, um, you know, for, for my year or the year that I interviewed there. I wish I could tell you what the deciding factor was between me and the other three guys that were chosen. But I mean, it, it could have been a flick of a coin, you know, it could have been exactly. anything. It could have been, you know, the fact that I didn't wear glasses all week and then I wore my glasses on the last day, you know, and they were like, mm. Why all of a sudden do you wear glasses? You know, you're trying to like yeah. be smart on the case study day. So you could pick everything apart, but I don't think it comes down to those small things. It, come, it comes down to a bit of luck. No, without a doubt. And I think one thing that you need to understand is that even though there is luck involved, you need to kind of give yourself the best chance. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, um, like I said, I put the work in from the beginning. I was myself. And throughout the entire week, I just had this feeling of everything is going really well for me. I, I had this very positive feeling where I, I, I was obviously nervous, I was scared. You never know what the outcome is going to be. But I think subconsciously I knew that you've done everything right. Uh, you haven't given them a reason not to select you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that that is it. And I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with cognition as well, is try and build people up so that they present their best version of themselves. You know, I think that's, yeah. that's important. And, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm making it more difficult for myself out there because I'm also applying, you know? So the university is getting all these like quality applicants and like, I feel like I'm kind of swimming amongst, amongst most of them. But at the same time, I'm hopefully making the university's job a little bit easier because people are hopefully presenting their best versions of themselves. Yeah. I think one thing is one thing and I can say to all the, the mentees out there and the ones that are going to apply is, is don't be scared to be confident, you know? Um, a lot of people think that they need to be reserved and kind of hold back and be shy because you don't want to come across as arrogant. But if I go and see a professional one day, I want that person to be confident in their own abilities, you know? Yeah. So take that confidence and show it out there. And, and it's going to definitely take that intimidating factor away because if you're confident in yourself, you're just going to fill up the room. And if you fill up the room, they're going to feel your presence a lot more than someone who's kind of, you know, reserved. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, all right. Well, you know, can you give us a little bit more information about your year at, at NWU? You know, what's, what it was like, sort of like a, a day in the life of Adrian at NWU. <laughs> yes. Uh, so um, it was definitely such a nice experience. You know, I said earlier that 2017 and doing my B site was the most difficult year, academic year that I've ever done. While 2018 and doing M1 was the best academic year that I've ever had. Um, I learned so much. I involved myself in everything that I did. I was basically a sponge, you know, because obviously I'd wanted this for so long and now I was there. So I was just absorbing everything. But the basic day was just, um, it's, a, it's an extremely packed schedule. You know, I cannot uh, emphasize this enough. So you go in, you, you work every single day. So you have lectures from around eight to four. And then after four o'clock, you do your practicals where you see your, your clients, you know, 
And there's one day in the week where you go to a hospital or psychiatric institution, and then you, you do your practicals there. But it is extremely packed. You know, you mentioned earlier that MW is very eclectic, and it is. You learn about everything, the humanistic approach, psychodynamic, cognitive behavioral, uh, psychophotology. Then you do a, a block where you kind of learn about all these small little therapies that are floating around there that, you know, kind of you should know about. So as much as I remember a lot and I learned about a lot, there's a lot of things that I just couldn't grasp. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm so ready to learn those things, you know, like a lot of what we do, especially students that have done their, their studies through UNISA, you know, you, you, you kind of sit back and you learn so much theory um, and you don't really touch on like the practice of those theories, you know, and that's, that's what, that's obviously what M1, it's, it's the reason why you have to have a master's so you can do all those practical things before you can get a registration to practice. And I think, yeah, I cannot wait. <laughs> mm. The one thing that, that I, I did like about, about what the NWU does is that they don't, they don't go as in depth as other universities but what they do is they give you they give you the the, the the stuff on the surface so that you kind of know and you learn about what this is. And they bring in a lot of experts and then they say, okay, go for it. Ask the questions that you want to ask. These are the people that know about this. And then you spend an entire day or even two, sometimes even a week, where you just have the chance to ask questions. And these people sit there and then they give you the information that they know because they are experts in their field. And that's how you learn. It's very experiential learning, you know. Sure. It's, it's basically what you make of it. You know, they're not going to spoon feed. Yeah. Um, and, and NW has a one-year program, right? Yeah. So it's a one-year program. And it's, it's, it's extremely hectic. It's extremely packed. Uh, we were very burnt out by the end of the year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all, all even even the two-year programs, I'm sure the guys are tired after it. But I mean, I think that's why they can't go super into depth with every single paradigm, every single treatment, every single option that's out there because you only have a year to do so much work and cover so much work and, and shape you guys into clinical psychologists or counseling psychologists, exactly. whichever, whichever route you go. So I like that they do bring the professionals in to, to give you that deeper understanding. Um, and, you know, perhaps if it's a professional and a paradigm that you are not so stoked on or something that's not that interesting to you, you might ask a couple of questions, but when that next one comes in and you're like, Whoa, I'm super into like the humanistic aspect. You're like, okay, cool. It's like having Abraham Maslow here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I remember that's 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 a lot of what happened in the class. And then people just there were there were times when I just wasn't that interested in what we're learning today. So I kind of just took a step back and zoned out. And 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 you know, whenever something came up that I was interested in, I, I made sure that I I was there and present. Um, so yeah, it's it's extremely packed. And and that one year program, a lot of what happens is that you come in so enthusiastically and you want to learn everything. And then as the year starts to dwindle away, you kind of start to miss out on certain things because you're so tired and you feel like I can't learn anymore. I'm just at my limit now. You know? For sure. So a lot of the stuff that we did at the end of the year, I, I don't even remember. Um, all right. So so from there, obviously, you went on to do your internship. Yeah. So I did my internship at Clockstop Sepong, um, which is basically a small town close to Poch. A tertiary hospital, and it's basically the, the the referring hospital for for the whole of Northwest. It's quite a big hospital. They don't have a big psychology department, so we were three interns, uh, one comserv, and three psychologists. Um, so it's it's not the, the biggest department, but they put us to work. I mean, it was a hectic, hectic, hectic year. Um, 
So yeah, um, I don't know what else what else you you want me to elaborate on there. <laughs> I guess, you know, with, with confidentiality, there's not much that you can really talk about, you know, yeah. um, every now and then somebody has got a, a story that they tell from their internship that like blew their mind, but, um, yeah, that's, that's fine. And obviously now you are, you know, you're waiting to, to do your boards cause I know you've just finished your research. So, and then you'll, you'll start your community service, uh, within the next couple of months as well. Yeah. Depending on the, on the outcome of your boards. <laughs> yeah, um, just one 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 thing that I actually uh, forgot to mention on the internship side is for those for those that are listening that are uh, gonna be applying once they're in M, is a lot of the times you need to make sure that you're on the ball because the university is not gonna kind of tell you, hey, apply here, apply there. You need to know where to apply. Okay. Right. Remember, this is basically just like looking for any other job. You need to put yourself out there, and you need to give yourself the best opportunity. And for foreign nationals, for people who are not uh, South African, this is going to be twice as difficult for you because I remember one of the problems I had was I would apply somewhere and they would say, can we see your work visa? And I'll tell them, no, that's not how it works. You first need to give me a job. Then I can apply for a work visa. And then they would say, no, 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 we need to see your work visa first. There was that that discrepancy, you know, between how can I do one without the other? So be resilient, make sure that the people understand your situation and that you, you're not shy and you just say, oh, okay, no, no worries. Make sure you, you get that job because there's a lot of people that sit without internships and then they have to do basically unpaid internships and you, know, you don't want to miss out on a year of income. Yeah, for sure. So, so NWU doesn't specifically like place you in internship sites, right? No, they don't. Um, they, they do a lot to kind of just say, okay, we've gotten uh, these offers from this place. They're taking 10 interns or whatever. Uh, obviously, from your your major psychiatric institutes like Beskopi, Stadfontein, Bertrand, and the places in Western Cape, and then it's up to you to just apply and uh, you know go to the interviews. Sure, yeah, that does make it difficult because you know some of the some of the universities have like a circuit that they offer afterwards, you know, and say, okay, cool, you finished your M one, it's you know now you you kind of drop into a position and um, that they would find for you. So that is something that that people would need to take take into consideration. Yeah, NW does not have a circuit. However, they do. They are affiliated with the place where I did my internship, Clocks of Sepong, uh, which is where if you're an NWU uh, student, you'll do your practicals there. Okay. So, so it's not to say that you've got preference, but because you kind of know the way they tend to take students from NWU. Sure. I think a lot of students out there are always like, why do they take so few students, you know, at the universities? And I think this is the exact reason. They are limited internship sites. Therefore, they're limited exactly. internship spots. Therefore, they can't overload it. Otherwise, where are you going to sit? You're going to sit to the same bottleneck effect, you know, after M1 where like, okay, now I can't get into an internship and I've got to fight and apply for these things. So exactly, exactly. that's where that comes from, listeners. <laughs> you must, un- yeah. I think people must understand that uh, to be a psychologist, a psychologist, uh, it starts way at the bottom, and the university actually invests in you. you yeah, know? for sure. Most of the time, you are an investment for the university because you're doing research for them, and you're going to be a, a psychologist one day. So that's why they can't take that many people. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's unfortunate, but that's the way it goes, um, and that's that's why we that's why we have these talks. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What kind of, I mean, you're a mentor already and I'm sure that dealing with somebody um, that's going through the application process at the moment, um, you're seeing the sort of like hiccups and and bugs that come out during that process and and, and how people kind of struggle with that. What kind of tips would you give to to anybody applying for, for, for next year for the class of 2021? 
Okay, so I've got a couple. Uh, firstly, I, I gave one already. Is just be confident. You know, um, you've worked for this, especially if you're applying for your second, third, fourth, fifth time. Uh, these people can't teach you anything that you don't already know. The ones I'm talking about, the ones on the, in the interviews. You've been there before. You've got the knowledge. Use it to your advantage. You know, um, especially if you are going for for more than once, because they don't want to see that you're there for your third time and you're still basically a little nervous bug who's there for the first time. It doesn't really show much growth in your part, you know. Yeah. Uh, secondly, is when you are applying, uh, don't try and be perfect, you know, because what that creates is a lot of discrepancies in your essays, your applications, and all of that. Basically, sit down and before you write anything down, think to yourself: Would I share this with any a stranger? Because these people are strangers, you know. And if you if if the answer is no, then don't put it in. A lot of people overcompensate and they start putting things into their essays that other people don't need to know. These are personal things, all right. They should remain personal, all right. Keep it brief, keep it simple, right. Make sure that they know you, but they don't have to know everything about you. And lastly, is just make sure that you are prepared from the theoretical side, okay. Because a lot of the times they won't ask you questions directly about, give me this specific theory or, or how would you diagnose this? But if you can throw that in there while you're answering questions, they'll see that, hey, this person knows what they're talking about. And at NWU, they will give you a specific case study that you have to read. And you have to basically say, okay, this was a specific personality disorder, or this was an anxiety or depressive disorder. And you do need to know your facts. All right, because at the end of the day, that is your job. You know, you're not there to just offer conversation or offer a shoulder to cry on. You're there because you know or you have the knowledge, and you're supposed to use it. You know, and a lot of a lot of time, people forget that. Yeah, I think you know the the build up from undergrad through to honors starts to shape you. Like it does, it's not just a bunch of facts that you're learning, you know, like it starts to shape you as somebody that's going to be a psychologist. Um, and if you have taken a year or two as like a, a break between, or you've been applying and you haven't been successful, make sure that you are kind of following up on what's currently happening in South Africa in terms of psychology. Make sure that you're skimming your little Psych 101 book so that you do have a, a fresh perspective of, of, you know, the different paradigms and things like that, because I think that'll really help you going into the, into the interviews. Exactly just make you feel more confident as well. Don't, don't like the night before pick up your, you know, your abnormal psych textbook and start like studying it because that's going to throw you off hundred percent. Exactly. But, but now's the sort of time, like use this lockdown time to do a bit of reading, you know, to catch up on what's going on and, and make sure that you are orientating yourself in, in a good way so that you can present a, yeah. a good version, an authentic version of who you are. I agree. I think, I think that's, that's, that's crucial. And I think just the last thing is um, my supervisor during my internship here, he used to say, remember that this is just a job, you know, this is, this is not who you are and this should not encompass your whole life. And I think that's, that's extremely valuable because after that, I started to realize that, Hey, this isn't all I am. And this is just a job for me. So I'm a psychologist from eight to five. But after that, I'm not a psychologist anymore and I don't have to be. All right. So those of you that are trying to get into it, don't think psychology 24-7. Make sure that you plan out your day so that you've got your time to study and you've got your time to think about these things. And the rest of the time, do whatever it is that you enjoy. Do whatever it is that you love. Um, and it doesn't have to be psychology related. My therapist said the same thing to me. She was like, you work as a psychology lecturer. You run like a psychology website. Uh, I know most of your good friends are all psychologists. She was like, when do you take a break? And I'm like, well, I have a friend who, who like 
he's he's a, a quantity surveyor. She's like <laughs> she's like okay, spend more time with him. Like step out of psychology for a while. And I think that that was always so good. He was also my running partner. So like when when I just, when I go running with him, I'd be like Nick, we, we're not talking job stuff today, man. We can talk your job, but we're not talking my jobs. You know, definitely. And I think that's important. Psych students must learn. Like it, it's part of setting boundaries. So learn yeah. to step away from it from, from time to time. And if it means playing a bit of Fortnite from time to time, that's also okay. <laughs> it's extremely, extremely, extremely valuable. I, I remember we were sitting once at a restaurant and I was with my brother and uh, we were having a couple of drinks and my brother is a very attractive young man. So a girl came up to him and started talking to him. And then she mentioned that she was studying psychology and she was getting to that time when she needed to apply and he turned to me and she said to he said to her, he's a psychologist. And this girl completely forgot what she was there for, which was basically to try and talk to him. And she started <laughs> talking to me about psychology. And I had to just remind him that, hey, you, you shouldn't tell people that I'm a psychologist because that's what happens. You know, psychologists, <laughs> psychologists basically only think one thing and that's I need to speak to other psychologists and be involved and do this and do that. And you need to just learn to take a step back, let go. And just remember that it's just a job. 100%. I think that's, that's a good way to end this off. But thank you, Adrian, for coming on. Um, we really appreciate hearing a little bit more about your subjective experience. And um, I think a lot of that is going to help students get better prepared. Hey, thanks, Don. I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me the, the platform to obviously just share a bit of my experience. And, uh, you know, I love doing these things for cognition and code. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think what you're doing is I think what you're doing is, is brilliant and it's great and uh, it's definitely useful. You know? Excellent. Now I've got to come on your podcast, eh? Definitely. <laughs> no, you're the ne- you're the next available guest. You know. Thanks again to Adrian for your time. If you'd like to find out more about Adrian's podcast, please click on the link in the description below. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast or want to suggest a topic, please let us know. You can email us on info at cognitionandco.co.za Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.